Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, did you know that over 90% of a child's brain develops by age five? Incredibly, it doubles in size in the first year and it keeps growing to about 80% of an adult size by age three and then 90% nearly fully grown by age five. Now, while the field of neuroscience is growing rapidly, we already have a lot of great information that can help us understand our children's early brain development. Now, today, to help share expert tips to help you support your baby's development, we welcome our special guest, Simone Maiskew, Curriculum Mentor at Guardian Childcare and Education. And Simone is going to explain how babies learn from birth with, with expert tips and how-to tips and how to help new parents to be confident with the quality of interactions with their baby to help them grow and flourish during these critical and formative years. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, this is really exciting there's, and there's, there's so much to learn and it's intriguing um, all at the same time. And, of course, caring for infants and young children is a, a really cherished interaction that holds a great deal of responsibility and undoubtedly it's one of the most remarkable and significant roles that anyone can ever have, don't you think? I totally agree. Um I've always been a fan of babies. Um, they're <laughs> the most amazing, capable, funny, caring of all of us. Um, the natural researchers, they're so inquisitive and curious and so open to learn um, and to build relationships. Um, throughout my career, I've always been fascinated by how they work and interpret the world and, and build communities with each other and <clears> become <throat> social beings. It's a real uh, pleasure and a privilege to be a part of a baby's life um, as that kind of external person that is introduced into their community in the childcare centre. Mm-hmm. Um, after having my own baby, I became even more interested and even more of a fan of babies and, and kind of learned how to layer on a new way of thinking about babies, mm-hmm. about babies and even being with babies and understanding their life, you know, Sometimes uh, in a centre or in a classroom for babies, we experience a very small portion of that baby's life. So to be able to build relationships uh, with families that can extend out of the the centre hours and and learn about families and really create, you know, passionate and reciprocal relationships with families, Mm -hmm. it just has such an amazing impact on the life of babies and how they learn. Yeah. And as you just said, babies are naturally curious, inquisitive and fascinated with the world around them. And it really is fascinating to understand how they learn from birth, which of course is uh, what we're here to discuss today. Um, And as we, many people would have heard the phrase that parents are a child's first teacher, Um, but like from this aspect, it's not to put too much pressure on, on parents from any any stretch of the imagination you know but um i'd love to understand like from um a childcare perspective um and an early education and care perspective 
can parents receive support and direction from their chosen childcare? Um, as long as the childcare is providing strong contemporary pedagogy, um, just to help encourage interactions at home and to help family develop skills as a children's first teacher. So the more the more exposure children, young babies and children can have to the outside world and to communities and I suppose to the unpredictable that happens when you go out together, uh, the, the, the more resilient they will be because they've mm-hmm. seen more and experienced more and babies are always watching their family members. You know, they're really keen observers. They're researching <clears throat> us in our every move and our every interaction. So for babies to see family members and familiar adults and even older children in their family out in the world experiencing the unpredictable, looking at their reactions, and it's kind of like that social cue, you know, it starts raining when we're out and and what what does this adult do and how do I now engage with that experience? And yep. I suppose as a, an adult with that baby, it's really important to, you know, talk about what's happening Um and, and really when you're talking to babies, that really great mixture of normal adult conversations to be held around babies, to hear that range of vocabulary and tone and pace and understand there are multiple ways to communicate, but also layering in that, you know, that beautiful baby talk that mm-hmm. babies really engage with and mimicking babies, babbling and you know, if a baby's pointing at something out in the environment, out in the world, you know, get down to their level and point at it too. Like show that you're interested and you're engaged in what this baby is picking up and interpreting and, and understanding about the world. Do you think this is why it's so so important to have a strong network um, around you and the baby as well to help with these like sort of formative and sort of early interactions with a baby? Absolutely. I mean, that old saying, you know, it takes a village to, to raise a child is, yeah. is so important. Um, <clears throat> and I think for a lot of families that I've worked with over the years, we're constantly reinterpreting what that village looks like. Um, a lot of families are living, you know, not near aunties and uncles and relatives and grandparents, um, especially in a city, city living, i found a lot of families are kind of by themselves and yes. they're trying to create these communities around them as they, they grow and um, engaging as many people in that community as you can to support. Maybe it looks a little bit different at the moment, so it's not so much about my baby spending large amounts of time away from me with other people, but it's, you know, going into a shop and, you know, introducing your child by name to people that you're meeting. So instead of, you know, know, talking to the community and and teaching how to interact and and how to, I suppose, love your community that you're in and, you know, if we're a part of it, we respect it and we love it and we want to make it a beautiful place for everyone to be. Um, And, you know, yeah, I just think it's really important to include children in the conversation. Like if they're there, make them present, make them visible, make them a part of the conversation. Yeah. Well, I wanted to acknowledge we published your article and the title is Did You Know Babies Learn From Birth? Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and what inspired you to write it? Uh, so the article is really talking about um, First of all, recognising that the family is the first teacher 
for babies um, and other children. Uh, the family are first teachers as well mm-hmm. uh, and that babies are watching us and researching us all the time. And what can, can you do in the home that can broaden uh, learning experiences for babies? Fantastic. I suppose identifying and understanding how learning is occurring every day um, sometimes with older children we can see learning, it becomes visible, they're telling us what they're interested in, they're saying read a, read a book with us and they're taking the story in a different direction, you're seeing the play. Um, but I suppose sometimes for new families that I've worked with, for them identifying what play and learning is for a baby is sometimes a bit harder yeah. to understand because <laughs> we don't remember being babies so we don't have the, the context to jump back into. Yeah. Um, so it's really about taking those moments in the home, you know, bathing the baby and, you know, touching their whole body and talking about how long they are and how big they are and uh, using items in the home to kind of to work with babies. Yeah. Um, I suppose uh, understanding how babies work and learn and figure out about the world together. Okay, cool. Now, in the article, you um, mentioned the first 1,000 days of life. So what are the first 1,000 days of life and why are they so important in a child's development? So the first 1,000 days of life is roughly from birth to two years old. Um, And in that space and in that time, you know, we'll probably never learn as much as we do between birth and two in our life again, you know. Incredible to think, isn't it? Oh, like to think that in two years' time you can go from not even lifting up your head to walking and talking and running and asking questions and climbing and experiencing the full range of emotions <laughs> that comes out in that first 1,000 days and interpreting mm. that and learning about that. Um, in terms of building relationships and the experiences that we offer children in those first 1,000 days, the richer the experience that we can offer The more time we invest in that experience, talking, going out together, interpreting the world, discovering, you know, being down on the floor with your toddler and your baby, even just looking at your your house or your local park from their perspective, you know, really understanding what the world looks like for them and, and working with them will really support to build the foundations and, you know, the architecture in the brain that creates this really strong foundation for, you know, I'm a learner, it's okay to take risks, it's okay to experiment, it's okay Mm -hmm. to ask questions. I think, you know, as you reach the end of that thousand days for for two-year-olds, it's okay to have emotions and to not understand what's going on because... Adults are terrible twos that we hear about. Yes. Of course. (laughs) Well, you know... I don't know about terrible twos. I do love two-year-olds. I think they're pretty fascinating. Um, <laughs> terrific twos. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's about creating that, spending that time creating really solid bases where you can feel safe to experiment and explore and, and find out who you are because I suppose that's the really big part of that learning that comes from two to five is who am I and how do I fit in the world and why am I important why am I different what do I have to say and yeah where's my space to say it so the first 1000 days is a span of time roughly between conception and a child's second birthday and it's a window of unique opportunity when the developing child's as I guess is optimal health and growth and learning pathways are established would you say Yes, and it's also really important that um, in that that time 
family uh, routines and rituals are established. So um, that's part of culture building. Um, Often, you know, broadly culture has its its own connotations and context, but there's also culture that's put within the home. So what's the culture of your home? And that's a really important way to, to build those really strong, healthy relationships with food, with sleep, with other adults, with other children, with um, the unpredictable, you know, that, that can kind of come and upset babies. And So how can improving this critical time frame provide the best like, long-term outcomes for children then, would you say? And it's about it's being being with babies, you know, really observing being present. what they're doing, being present, yep. thinking about what they're doing, um, and I suppose being really meaningful in your interactions and really authentic in that that discovery alongside babies. Mm-hmm. And from your perspective, I mean, why do you think it's so important to send your baby and toddler to childcare then during this, this critical sort of t- time in their lives? I think really, you know, learning outside the home is really important. You know, it can be quite predictable at home. You've built these routines, you've established rituals, it's predictable, it's, you know, this is my safe space. And it's really important to get out into the community and, and learn outside the home, learn how the world works, learn that there are different languages, there are different ways of communicating, there are different challenges that come up in your day. Um, when we broaden our community for babies and offer alternative perspectives for knowing and being in the world, um, we can offer different ways to problem solve, to communicate, to, to learn how to be in a community and that community responsibility. Mm. Um, and how to build relationships, which is so important for later on in life. You know, if you know how to build a relationship when you're young, you know how to make a friend one time, you know how to make a friend a hundred times. Yeah. I mean, and it goes back, I think, initially to what you're saying about um, it, t- it takes a village to, to raise a child, but our villages have become smaller because we, we live, our lives are just different. Uh, these days Mm. and also exactly what you were just saying children must not spend their important infant and early childhood years just practicing to be school children it's really interesting that these formative years are really about building the social interactions um, because you know they will miss out on you know the critical two and three and four year old work that provides a building blocks for later on and later learning which is all about relationships isn't it really exactly and if we look to some um early childhood theory that i I know a lot of educators practice um it's the the hierarchy of needs so you know you need to go through yes my needs met do i feel safe secure and supported um now can i experiment now can i safely take risks and and you move all the way through to self-actualization which is that I know who I am and I know where I stand and I know what I can do and I'm feeling really confident person. And that's in that self-actualization, that's when you can start to really build identity and understand community and, and really learn. Like mm. those needs aren't being met down the bottom of the hierarchy, then it, it's hard to get to that self-actualization. You just kind of go up and down between those needs before you get to that real place of joy and learning and, and opening up. Um, yeah. And 
Programs for infants and toddlers are informed by, you know, a number of evidence-based, like contemporary approaches. Um, some parents may have heard of one of the approaches being the Reggio Emilia approach, just being one, along with other teaching styles, including and play-based learning, being and basing, of course, on the, on the national curriculum and early years framework. Things, for example, like Montessori and blah blah blah. There's a whole heap of them. Um, so these are the types of things, um, as you were just mentioning, that um, provide evidence-based information to be able to help develop our babies' brains and their, their learning and development. But I'd love to know from your perspective, I mean, how can parents best evaluate, I guess, the efficiency of a preschool or a kindergarten curriculum when, deci- when deciding which childcare to take their children to? Where do they start? start? It's, that's a really complex question. Sorry. <laughs> um, and that's okay. But I'm sure a lot of parents would want to know because how do you know which yeah. ones are, you know, and, you know, it, it is a very um, a d- a diverse sort of industry to, to be in. Um, I mean, overall, I know that there's about 12 mm. sort of large players throughout Australia and the industry becomes quite fragmented underneath that with a lot of sort of smaller organisations. But with that, how do parents know um, who is the best provider for their children? So it's a really it's really personal decision, I think, of where you would like to go because it is an investment, um, especially if you're starting your baby in a centre and you're kind of planting roots in a community, you want to know that you can stay in the one place and really have that growth and take that tribe or that village of educators in the centre along with you to that, that kinder and school journey. Yeah. But I think it's important for families to, first of all, really understand what their values are, what they value for early childhood education and what they are hoping to achieve with their child in the inner kinder program. So do I value friendship? Do I value community spirit? Do I value sustainability? Do I value risk-taking? Um, is literacy and numeracy a really um, important part of the kinder program for me? Um, and then going into the centre and, and asking those types of questions. So how do you support children to take risks? How do you support children to build identity? Um, my child is really interested in, um, you know, literacy and counting footy scores and how will you kind of introduce that into your program and support my child through, you know, literacy and numeracy and identity and social emotional well-being um, through the lens of my family and my community and what I value. There's some great questions. Um, yeah, and it's also really important to you know, really frame for yourself what does um, a start to school look like for me and my family. Um, In all centres, uh, especially in our guardian group, we're thinking about that from babies. So how how are we setting setting up babies for success right from the start? Um, And that comes from, you know, predictable routines, predictable rituals that happen throughout the centre, communication between groups when children are moving on up from, from a baby to a toddler group to a kinder group. Yep. Uh, we're sharing that information, that we have this wealth of information to share yep. and, and set children up um, for that final year of kinder before they head off to school. But I think when families are making those decisions, it's chat, uh, you know, ask to chat with the kinder teacher, talk to the teacher about the program and what projects are happening and how that learning is being demonstrated through projects and, um, you know, look look for that thing that kind of pulls on your heartstring and goes, oh, I just really love that interaction that I saw. 
you know, my child would really love to be sitting with someone one-on-one reading a book or, you know, out in the backyard or going on an excursion or doing some risky play. Um, and you, you just really kind of understand the approach of the individual mm-hmm. um, teacher and the context of that community. And how, you, how would you describe, I guess, then what like the long-term benefits of sending your baby to a childcare with a preschool program then? Um, well, I suppose I can talk to my own experience of being um, a parent. So, yeah, perfect. Um, my little boy started care when he was 10 months old um, and he's been in the same centre and he's now four and a half. Um, it just, he knows that community so well and they know him. So they can predict throughout his day when he needs some support to, you know, kind of bring that energy in and find something constructive to do and focus on um, some literacy or some writing. Um, It also, it's predictable for him. So he can come in every day with confidence and know that this community understands him him and he's safe and secure there. and I suppose he can kind of predict the day as well and he knows what the outcomes and the expectations are. Yes. So he feels safe to take risks. He feels safe to ask questions. He feels safe to be emotional and to explore who he is and to take on different personalities. And those the team have seen him grow from a baby into this four-and-a-half-year-old. Mm-hmm. So they know his history. You know, they know it almost as well as I do. And it's really comforting for me to kind of know I can call up and say, no, yeah, it really is trust. I can come in and say, you know, this is happening in our life. How can you support him? And they can go, oh, well, in the past when he's been upset or over-energetic or something, we've done this strategy and that's really supported him and helped him. Um, And, yeah, I think it just brings up that trust and that history and that's my, they're my village. Um, I was just about to I say that they words <laughs> out of my mouth. You just expanded yeah. <laughs> my thoughts. <laughs> now, in your article, you list five key ways in which babies can learn from birth and suggested ways families can encourage this. Now, I'd love to go through them with you now, starting with learning through the senses. I mean, how do babies learn through their senses? So babies, uh, and I like to use this term, not sure it's a technical term, but um, they have these haptic relationships. So haptic is kind of researching through touch and experimenting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just feel like babies, in my observations, have a haptic relationship with the world. Everything has to be touched and felt and I want to touch it with my feet and, and my hands and my mouth and I want to hear it and smell it. So um, that sensory learning for babies is is really, really important. But I suppose to, to broaden thinking, you know, a bath is a sensory experience. Eating food is a sensory experience. Throwing things off the high chair is a sensory experience. <laughs> so <laughs> the, I think to come back to something I said earlier, you know, the broader and the richer the experience we can offer, the deeper the learning becomes and the better the experience becomes. So what can parents do at home to help their babies to develop their senses through, you know, different environments and I guess open-ended materials then? Being uh, being out in the world is a really great way to experience a sensory kind of overload, I suppose. You know, 
taking a baby out on a windy day is just something really magical. You know, it's unpredictable. There's wind blowing, hairs blowing, leaves are blowing around. It can be a really amazing experience to be, you know, out in all different types of weather and experience the world in all its different kind of ways. But it's also layering language onto that. So, you know, if you're out in the wind, you know, oh, I can, my hair's lifting up and using those really descriptive and emotive words to talk about what's happening, to link, you know, the the feeling to a word which is going to increase Uh emotional and social vocabulary um, in young children and which also if you have a richer social-emotional vocabulary, you are easier it's easier for you to communicate how you're feeling because you have a broader um, bank of words to kind of pull from yes so it's really important that you're layering especially with babies layering real words onto that kind of baby talk and that babble that you're doing along with your child while having sensory experiences mm-hmm. um and, and one how- thing that I thought you continue. Yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I always remember, you know, it's, it's really easy to do sensory experiences with babies because they're so reactive to it and they have yes. so much joy for yep. it and you start to engage in this relationship. You know, if I'm smiling and you're smiling and we're having a great time, we want to talk more and have, make this relationship last longer. So, you know, it's just sometimes that prolonged or sustained. So, if you have a scarf and you're waving it around and baby's really, really enjoying that, like keep going, like in, enjoy the moment and really be be in the moment. Mm. And I just mentioned about open-ended play experiences, but how would you describe what an open-ended play experience is for a baby? We, we speak about this quite a lot um, as the, the children grow through the, the toddler mm-hmm. and, and early sort of preschool sort of um, phase of their life, but what would it be and how would you describe what that is for a baby? So an open-ended material, and we talk about this a lot in um, early childhood settings, that we have these open-ended materials and play-based learning and open-ended play. Mm -hmm. It really is about providing materials that um, I suppose in some ways are neutral to a certain play space. So how can, um, you know, a a bucket of... um, gum nuts and leaves um, be used to tell stories, to build, to create an environment. Um, And also for a sensory experience, you know, that's a really unpredictable (laughs) kind of feeling because we can't dictate what a gum nut should feel like um, because it will feel, everyone will feel different. So it's about providing resources that I suppose it's a tricky one (laughs) to explain. I mean, mean, how how would you have a specific purpose? And how would you, like, then how would parents support a child during an open-ended play experience then? Well, I think the classic one that probably most families experience is is baby raiding the cupboards, Um, you know, opening the cupboard doors and cupboard drawers and really wanting to pull everything out and experiment. Um, To to seize that moment and, and jump in on that moment with children or provide a cupboard that has lots of containers with mismatched lids and little things they can put into their containers and shake around and move and experiment with. So 
um, you know, the Tupperware drawer is a great place <laughs> for babies to play um, because it's mismatched and some do match and there's little pieces and big pieces and you might find baby is um, drumming on it one day and the next day building and knocking over and the next day storing things in containers or hiding things away. Or, yes. Um, they just want to completely rearrange the drawer. Um, <laughs> great example of a home, an open-ended resource at home um, because it's unpredictable. You know, there's not, we're not sitting down and going, you have to start here and finish here with this. This is, it's open. You can explore where you want to go and we don't know what the baby will do and that's a really exciting kind of opening. And thank you for that. And and another thing as well, which um, everybody loves is bubbles. I'd love to know from your perspective, how can bubbles help support babies, healthy, cognitive, physical, and um, just even sort of vocab sort of dev- development overall? Well, I think all of us have witnessed children playing with bubbles and just the the joy <laughs> on children's faces when they're playing with bubbles. Um, and to that comment, um, when when children are happy and they're laughing and they're engaged, uh, they're learning. They're learning about the world. Um, so it's a really great time to start to use vocabulary like, you know, there's popping, it's floating, it's how's popping. it coming down, yeah. gravity, <laughs> popping, you know, sounds that the bubbles make. Um, it's also about that um, bubbles are unpredictable. Yes. You know, they're not the same shape and the same size every time. So it's, you know, it supports that very early on, that precursor to, you know, theory making, you know, why aren't the bubbles all the same? Why don't they move the same? Yeah. And we see responding that, you know, they'll watch for a couple of minutes and then realise, you know, if one bubble goes that way, they're all going to go that way. But next time they all might go that way. So yeah. it's that ability to 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 think and make a theory and then test that theory as well um i've done yeah, for really young babies oh sorry go ahead yeah no, no i've done a bit of research myself but you can continue on yeah, go 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 um there's also uh for young young babies it helps with um kind of tracking so their visual tracking they're yeah an unpredictable movement in the environment um and the way bubbles move you know they come in and out of focus so it's also engaging um that kind of cognitive work with eyes and brain development yeah yes absolutely you know babies um bubbles are so beneficial for babies cognitive development as you just said and some of the examples i've i've sort of just researched is is the visual tracking which you just mentioned so a newborn baby will be able to see and watch bubbles from about three months of age and from this point their nearsighted vision has developed enough for babies to be able to see the color and the contrast of the bubbles and watching the bubbles move provides babies with the opportunity to strengthen their eye muscles so visually mm. tracking which you just mentioned the motion of the bubbles um, can help them to develop focus um, and spatial awareness and sense of direction also as babies observe the bubbles rise and float through the air they can help just babies learn about their environment and this can demonstrate that some objects are heavy and others um, are lightweight and they float which you just mentioned um, and of also the difference between speed I think as well with slow and fast moving bubbles can, and the change of direction Mm. all of these things that they're sort of taking in in for their cognitive development Um, and bubbles can also assist babies I guess in developing um, I guess just comprehension of shape form and texture which I I think you just mentioned earlier as well but muscle strengthening especially during tummy time is a great thing for bubbles as a 
you know, as a as a baby sort of lay on their tummies, as we know, the bubbles can help promote, um, I guess, a movement that will help sort of develop their, their muscle tone and development as they lift their heads high and turn both ways. Um, this can assist with making, I guess, initial forward moving movements a little bit easier as they maybe want to sort of go ahead and sort of catch and or pop the bubbles um, and to pull their bo- bodies forward as well. Um, and in, as babies... I guess continue to grow and start to, to crawl and chasing the bubbles. This can help to progress their all on all forms their physical strength and development in coordination and just self confidence, which of course, as we know, is going to assist the child later on in life with physical activities such as walking mm. and running, running, climbing, jumping, swimming, and all that sort of stuff. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts are on on that. And yeah, I think um, definitely you know, like I said before, bubbles for some magical reason, bring a lot of joy <laughs> to children's lives. And, and I suppose because they are unpredictable and, and they're, they're, they're joyful, beautiful, shiny things that, you know, children engage with. But when, um, when children are really in a joyful kind of, um, you know, joy and laughter shows that a baby is engaged. So with the bubbles being uh, in a baby's space on tummy time, you know, it does promote that that forward movement to go. You know, I'm in it. I'm joyful. I'm learning. I'm really loving this. Maybe I'll push myself a little bit further. Maybe I'll discover something new if I reach out, or I yes. want to grab that bubble. Which, and for the first time, I was able to lift my shoulder when I was on tummy time. Oh, that's interesting. And I'll try that again, and I'll try that again. Um, so when learning is joyful, uh, it's richer. Yes. And children and, are encouraged to take risks and try new things. And also just helping develop their gross motor skills and hand-to-eye coordination, as you just said, with reaching forward and trying to pop them and hide mm. eye coordination and sensory um, sort of um, experiences and, and body awareness as well, I think, overall. Yeah, and that, that depth <laughs> perception of, of reaching into something or reaching up and how far does this go ahead of me and there is, there's more. <laughs> there's always yeah. more to do. Now, the next thing in the article is learn through relationships. I mean, how do babies learn through the secure and trusted relationships with their parents, friends, family, and everyone that's close to them? So uh, babies are very, very social beings. They they love to be a part of a community. Um, I think for um, in an early childhood setting, it's really about knowing this baby as an individual knowing their culture, knowing what they are comfortable with and what they're not comfortable with, um, and then really jumping into that space with them. So, for example, um, mealtimes. You know, in the home, baby might eat at 5 o'clock and then go to bed at 6 o'clock and not see the adults eating in the family. Maybe baby's part of a really busy, loud family and they all sit at the table together and all eat together and it's a, a noisy, really social experience. Um, when they come into our settings, it's really important to know that kind of information because otherwise we're just making an assumption that all children like to sit at the table and eat together. That could be a really confronting experience for a baby. So, you know, knowing that information about families and children and their culture and their context, I would be taking that moment to go, you really need a nice quiet one-on-one mealtime. I'm going to provide that for you. And in that one-on-one interaction, that's when we're building relationships. It's saying, I know what you need. You can trust me. Come to me when you need me. I'm a safe, secure person. I'll support you to be here. 
Yeah. So across the day and across the week and across all the educators that come into that child's life, knowing this type of, type of information, you can kind of choose the best people to be in certain scenarios with children to build that relationship. So this baby might like to have lunch with me but might like to sleep with somebody else. So it's yeah. about building that community and going, we all have relationships um, and here are very many ways for you to have relationships within this group. And, and so, you know, babies learn to socialise and communicate um, with things like eye contact, stretching out their arms to be picked up and actively, I guess, you know, seeking with family members, friends, um, which mm-hmm. all pointers which signify your child is learning th- through their relationships, would you say? Absolutely. Um, and every child's on a different journey yep. uh, in building those relationships. Some children, you know, as soon as they meet anybody in the street, you know, it's a big smiling face and they're waving and reaching out and touching and, and some children like to observe the world first and then kind of jump in when they're ready. Um, to build relationships with children, the first relationship that has to happen is with the family Um, So if babies can see an educator or a teacher and a family member, having a really positive interaction and including baby in that conversation. So, you know, a parent might be holding the baby and and another adult can be touching the baby as the parent is holding them and talking to them and using their name and eye contact and, you know, pointing around the room and engaging with them as they are a really valid member of that conversation. Mm. Um, First indication to a baby that this is someone my family trusts so I can trust them as well. And talking about relationships, I guess one of the most important relationships is with themselves also. So how can parents help their baby to identify just their sense of self? Um, I suppose identifying sense of self really comes into who is my family and, and who am I in this family? You know, what role do I kind of play? Um, self-identity is, again, we were talking earlier about those, those building blocks and that architecture. It's done in such little incremental ways throughout um, those first thousand days and, and, and building up into all of our whole adult life, really. We're always re-identifying and reimagining who we are. Um, for babies and young toddlers, you know, it's about using their name, um, asking for their idea and their opinion, um, asking them to participate in rituals, you know, setting up the table in a, an early childhood setting, putting a vase of flowers out, who want, who needs to collect the lunch trolley, who's the person who likes to give out the bowls to everybody and, and invite their friends to the table and taking those moments when you're really seeing children shining out who they are or engaging mm. in a ritual or creating a ritual with you and pulling pulling on that thread and going, this is this is who you are, what you're good at, let's explore that further. And for a baby, it's about sort of developing, as you just said, what their own name through active listening um, and smiling when being spoken to <clears throat> and even smiling when they're looking at themselves in the mirror, that sort of stuff that I guess can mm-hmm. sort of help quite quite a lot for a baby. Um, now, the next thing um, on the list is learning through communication. So how can parents help their babies to develop their communication skills? I'd love to learn and hear about this one. I think it's definitely that um, the more exposure to language and conversation that a baby and a young child can have, yep. um, the richer their own understanding will be. Yep. So, um, you know, it's about 
all different types of conversation and layering different types of conversation and song through songs, through books, through rhymes, through, yep. you know, when I'm walking quickly and being busy, I'm using a busy voice. And when it's time to settle and calm, I'm using a calmer voice. And we're engaging in a relationship of communication all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so important to include babies in a conversation. So, you know, if, yes, some, very if, important. if a child's sitting on your lap and you're talking to another adult, you know, bring them into the conversation. Yes. You know, acknowledging them and that, what you were saying before, the eye contact, saying their name, and I suppose just being invested in their world and understanding how individuals communicate. So yeah. some babies will be very verbal from, from the, the onset of life and they love to really tell you what's happening in their life and always drawing your attention. Um, some babies, you know, are that quiet yeah. observer. And they're pointing out differences and things in the world in a different way. So yeah. understanding what your baby's body language is as well. I suppose we call them cues. So what are the cues for sleep and the cues for eating and the cues for I'm, I'm bored or I'm overwhelmed? Um, what are those cues? And when you see that cue, you know, if it's a sleep cue of rubbing their eyes or they rub their hands together or grab a certain toy, you know, talking about what they're doing in that time and describing what they're doing and what will come next. Yeah. To, to learn to communicate that need in the future. And would you say, say, playing games like peekaboo, which we all love, and making funny faces and sounds, which you see all parents that are doing, encouraging babies. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, to imitate, you know, speech sounds and, you know, mouth moving and, and, and taking um, turns of conversations, as you just said before, can, can help, I guess, promote academic, yeah. social and that emotional growth. And I think uh, it's really important and fun to to mimic what babies are are telling you so you mimic their face that they're pulling yes um, yeah and and talk to them about oh you just did this face and pull that face as well or use mimic their body language and um to really kind of develop a language that is just between baby and family or baby and primary carer or um, important people in the community um yeah imitating what babies are doing is and the sounds they make and the faces they pull and the actions <laughs> that they're doing, I mean, it's it's gorgeous. <laughs> but it also um, tells baby that I hear you, I see you, and I understand that you're trying to communicate with me. Yeah. And to teach that there are so many layers <laughs> of communication, it's not just words. Yeah, babies do use their facial expressions and verbalisations to share their thoughts and feelings, don't they? So communication mm-hmm. can help sort of, I guess, foster those um, early relationships and I guess doing those things are always a great start. Now, the next thing we've got on the list um, is learning through trying. How can uh, parents help their babies to develop, you know, dispositions such as problem solving and resilience? Again, I think this is a really personal um, kind of conversation that each family would probably have in many contexts and many conversations to the table with this. Mm-hmm. What I'm comfortable with in terms of, you know, taking risk and, and trying and, you know, is probably different to what my, my friend might want to do. So, you know, if you know you're in a safe space, a, a familiar garden or a familiar park, you know, anchor yourself in a certain space. Here's our blanket and here's our things that we're all familiar with. But kind of let baby crawl off maybe a little bit further than maybe you're comfortable with 
Um, and, you know, be talking like, oh, I can see you're a long way away. It might take you a while to come back to me and I'm here when you're ready and listen out for my voice. Um, so, you know, it's that, that, that first kind of test of test, you know, letting the tether out a little bit and, and seeing how far baby will go and what risk they're willing to take when they're away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, open-ended materials are, are really, and resources are really great for this type of trial and error and problem solving and, and trying um, because we don't always know how they work. You know, building with containers, for example, out of the Tupperware drawer, uh, it's unpredictable. They're different weights, they're different sizes, they're different shapes, they're going to fall apart in the towel and you've got to build it back up again and, you know, trying not to, I suppose, trying to make a space where it's okay to not succeed the first time at doing something. So building a towel for the first time, it might take 20 goes and just to be there and, and be a part of that relationship and that learning together, being engaged in the unpredictable. You know, where can we go where we don't know what's going to happen? It might be about to rain or it might be about to get very windy or we'll go to a cafe and go to talk to a stranger or um, try new food. Um, It's just about that creating a safe space to experiment and try and to show baby that you're right there alongside them, learning, pretending, playing, being tricky together um, and, and really experimenting and learning together. Wonderful. All great advice. We've covered a lot in our chat today, Simone. If you were, I guess, to summarise your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? Uh, The key message really is, you know, there there are communities of people out there waiting to meet you and your baby and, you know, Early childhood settings, it's really amazing and ma- magical things that can happen with relationships and community building and, and creating that village. Um, you know, we want to know you and we want to know your baby. We're here as part of your family and we, we want to go on that journey um, with you and you know, know you and what your challenges are and what are your hopes and dreams for your child and how we can help you to kind of achieve those those dreams. Um, and, you know, it, there's such richness um, in exploring new communities and getting to know new people. And also for babies to see other babies is just really important part of early childhood development. Definitely. Understanding community. But also we learn best from our peers. Um, so for other babies to see how other babies react to certain situations and to the unpredictable and, oh, that baby's sitting up eating his food, that's really interesting, I haven't tried that before. <laughs> or, um, <laughs> to see the younger children, to see older children doing, doing complex things like climbing and running and jumping and talking or reading books or singing songs, you know, it really encourages young babies and toddlers to go, oh, I have a goal to work towards. I can see the future. It's right there in front of me. How I'm now encouraged to go and do that and explore and, yeah. Yeah. This is wonderful. If um, parents have got any other questions and or want to find out more information um, from you guys, whereabouts can they find you? Um, 
if you want to know more about any of our centres, please jump onto um, the Guardian website um, and you can see what centres are close to you. The web pages um, have some beautiful photos of the centres um, and a message from the centre manager that really talks about what's special about that particular community um, and what important things are valued there. Um, and book a tour and jump in and meet some of our team members and see the other babies and um, you know, start to, to understand what we do and why we do it and um, can't wait to hear from you. Oh, look, thanks so much for your time today. I really love this conversation and uh, much love to all the team um, and everyone at, at Guardian as well. So um, stay safe and um, hope to have the opportunity to speak with you guys again in the not too distant future. But until then, take care, stay safe. Thanks. You take too, care. my pleasure. All right, bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kiddypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kiddypedia by visiting our website at kiddypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.